What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sunday Talk. It's the first Sunday of September, I believe. Um, and it's finally, yeah. it's week one. I mean, it's the week of week one. And we had a, a huge drop this past Friday. Certified Lover Boy, a.k.a. CLB, a.k.a. Certified. I, what do you call it? Like when you refer to it, do you say CLB? You say certified? CLB. I say CLB. That's why I'd be telling everyone. Yeah. Because yeah. Certified Lover Boy is just so long. Like, CLB is like Donda. It's just easy to say. CLB or Donda. It's just, yeah, it's just CLB, how it's going. Or, or certified. A lot of people say certified. Just certified. And maybe that's how you're hearing it, but we'll get into it. Yeah, but what's your favorite? What's your favorite track on the album so far? I mean, honestly, I heard the leak. I mean, Fair Trade's been my favorite song so far. Um, I think Champagne Poetry. I, I'm really enjoying that so far. I really like, you know, people making the Casey Neistat jokes about it because it's like a Casey Neistat like intro kind of song. Um, <laughs> just kind of like scrolling through the track, looking what I like. I mean, Way Too Sexy is going to be a club song. Like people will get yep. down, and then Aussie, we got Kawhi. You know, they get that sports reference out there, out there dancing um you know otherwise i mean 7 a.m on brutal path i liked i mean lil wayne he went well on his um he did super good on his verse i mean otherwise i mean it's hard to kind of compare i mean the first question we literally got asked today for this uh episode was clb or donda they're two completely different projects i mean you're looking at clb's kind of more of an r&b vibe you know it's that take care drake that you're looking at while Donda, you know, he's got the bangers in there, but he's also got kind of the gospel look that he's been doing that people kind of get mad at him for. I mean, obviously we got Off the Grid, one of the best songs I think that we've seen this year been dropped. Um, and then, you know, Hurricane, Moon, uh, you keep going. Um, I think in kind of the comparisons of the album, it's hard to say, you know, obviously the streams are going to favor Drake. He's more of an international guy. But um, uh, so far, you know, I'm really enjoying the vibe like a Drake. We just kind of had it on in the background the other day. We're just hanging out. Uh, me and my roommates and it was i really liked it so yeah i feel like this is probably the best drake project we've got since like views or more life low-key because i mean it's it's pretty lengthy but like there's a lot of replay value throughout the album because i was like 10 songs in i was like damn this is a fire album and i was like damn we still got like 14 songs left uh, or 11 mm. i guess it is but yeah, I think re- as far as like over time, I think Certified Lover Boy is going to age better than Donda just because Kanye's sound that he's kind of going through right now, it's kind of the a really trendy sound, a lot of like synth sounds and shit. And it's, I don't know, I, I just don't think it's going to age well like like his older projects because they're still bumping graduation in the club. They're still bumping, you know, late registration and shit. But I don't know. Donda's like a bottom five Kanye project to me. Yeah, I think we'll see with time. I mean, obviously, like the more we listen to it, the more we'll get to know it. I think that's just kind of how music works. I mean, are these songs going to win? Are any of them going to win album of the year? You know, probably. Actually, no, probably not. These guys never really win album of the year. I feel like Drake it's going to go. Drake probably could. I can't see Kanye winning it. I don't think the media likes him enough. Uh, I mean, Kendrick would have to drop. J. Cole's going to be up there. Nas dropped. He's gonna be up there. Um, I, I could see J Cole winning it. Jay I Cole, think. Yeah. You know, finally putting features on the album. You know, finally getting out there. And then if Kendrick comes out in the next couple of weeks, who knows? Uh, and then Aussie, we're still looking at Utopia that might come out sometime soon. I think Uzi's got another project. Um, 
But those guys, I mean, you don't think you're going to see Uzi win an album of the year. I don't think that's never going to happen. They're just guys that just would never Maybe win Keem it. is set to drop this uh, this coming weekend, which I'm hyped for. Yeah, he's an up-and-coming guy. Honestly, like the family ties, we keep we keep quoting it uh, out there with the boys. He's got some bars out there. So shout-out baby Keem. He, he had a great, great uh, time with Donda and uh, his own his solo family ties. But as far as, like, one thing I really didn't like, the covers are just trash for both of them. Like, mm-hmm. I look at it in my music, and it just bothers me. <laughs> like, looking at, what is it? A black yeah. screen and then some emojis. <laughs> 12 pregnant girl emojis. And I was like, bro, I don't want to look at this. Like, look at all these other colorful albums I've got right here. Like, Trippy Reds, Little Tecca, and, like, Lord's new album, which I really liked. And then there's just a fucking mm-hmm. black square and eight pregnant ladies i'm like yeah it's yeah we got them right next to each other just bland bland yeah. i don't know um, but hey, we'll we'll, uh, yeah. we'll we'll cut back in the next couple of weeks and see what we start thinking once other stuff comes out yeah let's get into the uh the questions for this week we got our boy swole player coming through with mad questions his first one being, will Najee Harris be a top seven RB this season? And I think yes. Um, definitely going to be in the conversation to be drafted as a top seven running back. And, you know, I think he has the potential to finish there as well. I mean, James Robinson was a top seven running back last year. And, I mean, look at the opportunity he had last year. Probably pretty comparable to what Najee Harris is going to get this year. So I think it's not, not a long shot to say that. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at what Najee is, you know, extremely productive back out there in Alabama. We saw from former, you know, rookie Alabama backs, we saw it from Josh Jacobs making an early impact. And I think Najee is probably the most talented bat that's come out since Derrick Henry from Alabama. Um, just kind of looking at it also, uh, the only thing that worries me is he's got to go against the Browns and the Ravens twice a year, you know, mm-hmm. four matchups against two really good defense. I mean, a really good defense in the Ravens and a Browns defense that we'll see come, you know, come Sunday when they play that huge game against the Chiefs, you know, are they able to limit the uh, Super Bowl runner-ups? But uh, I think if Najee Harris, you know, gets that expected 300 touches he's supposed to be getting, um, you know, he's going to be a solid workhorse back for you. I mean, I, I, was th- I talked about it on the show before, I feel like he can have that Ezekiel Elliott uh, rookie season out there, you know, but it's all going to be dependent on that line, which I think, we shouldn't be worrying about too much. Yeah. You know what kind of blows my mind is Clyde was so much more hyped up than Najee is this year. Like last year, Clyde was being drafted like top four, top five. And Najee's going like end of first round. I'm getting them in second round of like 10 man drafts. It's kind of crazy. And I mean, Clyde Edwards was, he was solid last year, but he wasn't nothing crazy. I think Najee's definitely going to be able to top that type of production. Exactly. Especially, yeah, PPR, I think he's going to be a monster. Even in standard, he's going to be a monster. I, yeah, He's worthy of a top 10 pick. For sure, yeah. Especially once all the top four guys are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question also comes from Swole Player. What round do you draft a QB in PPR? This is kind of interesting because I think PPR and standard are pretty similar as far as uh, QB scoring. It's probably the same, right? You know, and you'd be scoring, but it's like how you value other positions that you would yeah. want to take. You know, like, are you using a sixth round pick on Deontay Johnson or are you using it on Kyler Murray? It's kind of yeah. like how you see it there. 
but the only like the only other one that would really change you know your approach to QB would be Superflex. Obviously, then you know now QBs are extremely valuable. But as far as PPR, I mean, I'm I personally have not drafted a QB earlier than the eighth round. And yeah, once, I mean, once all my uh, skill positions are are through, then I'm looking towards QB. Well, I think it's like the huge thing that everyone keeps looking at the last three years. The number one quarterback has been drafted past round eight. Obviously, it started off uh, with Patrick Mahomes, then Lamar Jackson in his MVP season, and Josh Allen now just in his runner-up season. You know, a lot of people looking towards guys like Ryan Tannehill, an offense that's definitely going to be throwing a lot more than they were last year, um, yeah. losing offensive coordinator that might steer away from giving Derrick Henry those amount of touches. Um, you're also looking at, you know, Matthew Stafford, a guy who can be a dark horse MVP pick. And, you know, there's the shiny names, you know, in our draft, uh, just talking about it. I believe I picked Kyler Murray in the sixth or the fifth round uh, because, you know, that's kind of where it's kind of where you see the draft going for yourself. If you're not, you don't want to reach on a guy that might be there, you know, in the next round, you can be like, okay, maybe I go out and get Josh Allen, maybe go Patrick Holmes. I say, and if you're doing your draft, you know, you're watching this, you haven't done your draft yet, you got it coming up before Thursday Night Football. Uh, do not draft Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen like in the first four rounds. Do not waste a quarterback pick in the first four rounds. Those first four rounds, you want to be going after either, you know, getting one of those elite two tight ends or you want to be getting your two wide receivers and your two running backs or a top wide receiver, two running backs and a flex. So, you know, I, I'd say pretty safely go past the eighth round, you know, but in 12-man leagues, you know, if you want to be sure, you know, eight or nine, like make sure you get your guy. Like you go out there, you get a Jalen Hurts, you get um, Ryan Tannehill, even Tom Brady, all those guys, a lot of upside. But I think eighth round is solid uh, to be if you're just comfortable, you know, not having a guy like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, because you don't need a guy like that to be successful in fantasy. You can be starting Teddy Bridgewater uh, versus a shit defense and still win your games. Facts. Facts. Yeah. Um, And also, like, it kind of depends on, you know, how your draft is going in general, because I was in a draft where, you know, these people didn't really know too much about fantasy football. So to them, QB was the most important position. So they were going on runs in QBs like third, fourth round. Everybody's drafting a QB. And I was kind of forced to take one early because at that point I was like, I'm going to end up having to draft fucking like. Jameis Winston <laughs> by the time I, I get to, you know, where I normally draft a QB. Um, so I kind of took, you know, I kind of took a, one a little bit earlier, but it really just depends. Um, but yeah, first four rounds, definitely not. Um, next question, Liam, are you Bruce Wayne? I sure am, Anthony. I know what you referenced him. Uh, I'm definitely bad, man. He, he knows what we're talking about. but <laughs> I have no idea, but I feel like it's funny. Um <laughs> Who has the worst record this season, Texans or the Bengals? I, like, p- my first instinct is to say Texans, but the Bengals play in such a hard division. Like, probably, you know, top three most competitive division in football. And the Texans are in probably bottom three most shit division in football, right next to the NFC least. Because, I mean, they got the Jags, they got the Colts who are injury-riddled, and it's the Titans to lose. And even the Titans, like – their defense Lose some games. Yeah. kind of atrocious. So it's good. I feel like it's going to be closer than we think. Te- who you got, Texans or Bengals? 
I just got to go Texans because I think there's too much offensive firepower that when they go against a weak defensive line and a weak front seven that the Bengals are just going to be able to put up a lot of points against teams. I mean, honestly, I think the Texans, they probably can split the matchup between them and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I don't really have their schedule pulled up here, but I just know that uh, with the Bengals, I feel like there's too much upside. They invested, you know, they got one of the best safe, they have one of the best players at their position in the league with Jesse Bates at safety. Um, obviously, they spent a lot of money in Trey Hendrickson this offseason to bring in an edge rusher. I feel like, you know, they might go out there and, you know, get a game from the Steelers. Um, I don't know if the Browns or Ravens, they can beat any of them, but I just feel like Joe Burrow can at least win these guys like four games. And I don't know if Tyrod Taylor can win them four games. Yeah, looking at the Texans schedule, it's actually looking pretty rough. I don't see them getting a win. Let's see. Okay, they got the Jags, Texans. That's a coin flip, but it's in favor of Texans. So we'll, we'll say it's an L. So next they got Browns. That's an L. Panthers, that's an L. Bills, that's an L. Patriots, that's an L. Colts, that's probably an L. Cardinals, that's definitely an L. Rams, an L. Dolphins is an L. Titans is an L. And then Jets, on, I think that's Thanksgiving or November 28th. It's probably around Thanksgiving. Could um, win. Could could like maybe win <laughs> i don't know tony romo said zach wilson is the truth so lock it in he's, he's gonna be good um so yeah texans just be prepared for a rough season and get your paper bags ready um, <laughs> but you're taking the texans as well yeah, I have to take the Texans. There's no way I'm not taking the Texans. If I was a betting man, I would bet on the Texans to win, like, one game. Yeah, and their head coach was the head coach for the wide receivers at the worst unit in the NFL last year. So, Wait, who is it again? The David Cutley. He was the Ravens wide receiver coach. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just Um, Last question from Swole Playa. Better wide receiver duo, the Vikings steal it in Jefferson or – Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I know he wants us to say the Vikings stealing in Jefferson, um, but one of this duo has a Super Bowl and one doesn't. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously health has been a concern for Godwin, but you got to look at his, I believe, 2019 season when he broke out. I mean, in terms of a fantasy aspect, you can just kind of look at it. He was the number two wide receiver, but he was extremely talented. I believe going over 1,300 yards. And then a guy in Evans who's maybe the most hated man on TikTok right now in terms of like fantasy community, everyone hates him. They're like, like he's terrible. Like he's going to have touchdown regression. I was like, Alan, I mean, Mike Evans is a solid, solid wide receiver. You know, I love, you know, Thielen had one of the greatest stretches, you know, breaking Megatron's record for a hundred yard games. And honestly, Jefferson's just extremely talented. I think going into this season, I got to run with Evans and Godwin just because what I've seen out of them, I've seen elite seasons from both. And, um, you know, Thielen, it's been a minute since, you know, I mean, Ozzy had those 14 touchdowns, but if you take, you know, if you half those touchdowns, he wasn't that amazing last year. Yeah. I mean, Ozzy, you're going to see TD regression probably like seven, eight, maybe you're going to see from Thielen. But yeah. I think I've given the edge to Evans and Godwin. I just like how versatile, you know, they are. I think like Thielen and Jefferson are a little bit too similar. While Evans and Godwin's play more contrast to each other. You know, Godwin can be that deep threat. Uh, Evans can be that, you know, that jump ball guy, but they both can play underneath in a way. Uh, going into the season, though, I'll take Evans and Godwin, but I'm open to change my mind on that. Bro, looking at Mike Evans' stats right now, my mind's kind of blown. He has never caught less than a thousand yards in his in his entire career. 
ever. Yeah, that's what he's known for. And he okay, career, he's got 61 touchdowns, 944 targets, and he's only missed, let's see, three, four, five, six games in his career through eight seasons, nine seasons. How many is that? Seven? Seven seasons going into his yeah. eight. So that's kind of insane. I mean, if he continues this pace, that's that's like Hall of Famer stats, bro. Oh, yeah. With the Super Bowl, probably can get another one. Yeah. Not week one, though. They're not winning week one. But, um, yeah, I have to go Evans and Godwin. I mean, Evans is obviously established as one of the best in the league. Uh, Jefferson's up and coming, but I mean, Evans and Godwin have done it, have been done this shit. So, um, biggest, oh, next question comes from Chase. Biggest surprise or just overall thoughts from college football week one? Honestly, the biggest surprise to me was probably Mackenzie Milton um, for FSU. Fucking crazy game against Notre Dame. Like, so inspirational to see him come back from, I mean, I didn't think he was going to ever suit up again. And then I found out he was on FSU literally like a couple weeks ago. I didn't even I didn't even know that. And now he's out here, you know, doing crazy shit. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll dive into this. I was paying a lot of attention to college football this weekend. Obviously, I was I was in the bar crying. Uh well not crying, but I was crying in the club. Four beers deep, and I was sad because Nick Saban was dogging on the Miami hurricanes, but you know, we expected it. Uh still waiting on these AP polls to come out, but uh, at the time of recording. But, you know, just looking at it, a lot of poor performances from these top draft prospects that we're looking at. Looking at Sam Howell going against a Virginia Tech team that's known for their defense, though. Only 10 points North Carolina was able to put on them. One of the most potent running games. Obviously, you lose Javante Williams and Michael Carter to the NFL draft. And you lose Daz Newsom and uh, forget who the other receiver's name is. Um, I forgot where he went. They lost their two starting wide receivers, though. And then Sam Howell just kind of throws up a bus game. You know, throwing picks out there, uh, not really looking like the guy that's supposed to be keeping one in this draft. And Tulane putting up a huge fight against Oklahoma. Uh, we were all watching that as well. Uh, came down to the wire. You know, they got the onside kick um, and just couldn't convert. Uh, but Spencer Rattler not really playing well as, I mean, as well as you'd expect him to. Against Oklahoma, you know, 300 yards, uh, about – 75% completion with one touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, you don't want to see that out of a guy that's supposed to be the star. Um, you know, I wrote an article about week one, what I was expecting. Uh, Marvin Mims, though, did play to how I expected it uh, from what I saw last season. And then Georgia, DJ Uvulele, only putting up three points. I mean, obviously, one of the most potent attacks. One of the most best defenses in the uh, SEC and just all of college football in Georgia. Uh, you know, JT Daniels won the battle there. You know, there's other memes of, uh, Dabo Sweeney pointing po- down in the airplane like oh you're gonna be throwing touchdowns down here that's all that means because he didn't throw a single thing but I mean we saw what DJ had in his potential last season when he took over for Lawrence uh, I think it's too early to get warned by going against a team that's gonna be top four in these new AP rankings potentially number three um, otherwise looking at it um, Oregon a really close game Jose uh, what, were, what were your thoughts you know 31 to 24, you know, you guys were, yeah. I think you might've been down at one point. I know I joined um, the score, but. Yeah, I think we think? were down like early. I didn't get to watch the game live. I was at work, but way too close of a fucking game for the type of season I'm expecting out of this Oregon team. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, they're saying his injury is not too serious. At least they're hoping it's not. 
Um, I really fucking hope it's not. But either way, we still got Noah Sewell. Justin Flo has the most tackles through week one. Uh, he looked he looks like a stud. I mean, he is a stud, but he's just got to stay healthy. And I mean, this Oregon offense, I just expected it to be better. And the defense, I expected us to really blow out Fresno State because we got Ohio State next week, and that type of shit's not gonna fly. Like they, Ohio State will capitalize on our errors very fast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, DJ Stroud was really nice last week. Yeah, they scored like six touchdowns, like a record break. I want to say less than two minutes was the total time on offense that they took for them to score touchdowns, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But um, I think the biggest game of the week, UCLA, the climbing up the rankings. Obviously, Chip Kelly gets his first yeah. win against a non-conference opponent. Um, and then in the second game, they go against the LSU team featuring one of the best defensive backs in the country, Derek Singley Jr. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you know, the product out of Bishop Gorman, going out there, leading these guys, three touchdowns, uh, one interception, you know, out battling this LSU Bruins team, you know, showing that, you know, they're missing out on those guys like Burrow, you know, Clyde, Jamar, Justin yeah. Jefferson, you know. A great season. I mean, I think, you know, LSU is a program that will turn it around. You know, one of the best programs in the country. You know, a very storied program. But, you know, UCLA commenting that probably top 20 at this point. And then, um, like you were talking about earlier, that Notre Dame game was crazy. I mean, I was rooting for FSU only because I just wanted to see Notre Dame lose so that we, would get, we wouldn't be too far in the opinion. And then everyone's dogging on me because I was rooting for FSU, which is like a sin to do around here. Yeah. But I think we got to look at – Kyle Hamilton solidifying himself at this point is the best safety in this class. Arguably the, he could be the best defensive player, you know, if Gabe Thibodeau doesn't come back, you know, in the next couple of weeks, it takes him a while, but a ball hawking guy, you know, uh, kind of playing like that Minka Fitzpatrick role um, yeah. that you saw on um, Alabama when he was there, you know, one of the studs, but you know, Kyle Hamilton, two picks uh, only had one interception last season for the fighting Irish going out there, getting two picks. And then Washington losing to Montana, that paying six hundred thousand uh, dollars to lose thirteen to seven. I mean, I didn't know Washington was even good enough to be ranked in the top twenty. Um, yeah, no. but yeah. And then Florida. There's some other top prospects I expect a little bit more out of. I expected Emory Jones to be a little bit better than he was against FAU. Um, just looking through. You know, Texas A&M fighting for that top four spot that they feel like they've deserved for a long time. Obviously, Bryce Young having a historic performance against Miami, um, you know, four touchdowns, the most yards uh, and the most touchdowns thrown by an Alabama quarterback in their debut. Um, but, you know, I'm looking for, you know, I'm going to be at that game. Miami's going to bounce back against App State. If not, I, I don't know what I'll do with myself. But, um, you know, we just got to see, you know, at least from Miami, we got to see the, you know, Derek King lead the charge there. Uh, you know, like the one of the oldest quarterbacks in college football. I think he's older than six or seven and six NFL starters, uh, which is crazy. To That's think about. nuts. How old is he? He's 24. Uh, but yeah, old, but hey, if we can, you know, work our way up and we beat UNC in that game, you know, we can find ourselves in, in that ACC championship game, which is, you know, what was, we're hoping wait, for. Fun. Did he register twice? How is he? He redshirt got redshirt COVID season. Oh, dude, because I was gonna say 24. That's four years older than me. And I'm a sophomore. I know that's crazy. That's insane. Damn. And a big win for Steve Sharkeesian in his first game uh, with Texas, uh, beating uh, Louisiana, 
raging Cajuns, the number 23 team. So we'll see. Getting ready for their SEC debut. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it for this week's Sunday talk. Thank you to everybody that put in the questions. It's a pretty good week of, of questions. We got a, a lot of things to talk about. And I mean, week one of football is starting this week, man. It's crazy. I feel like yeah. it's going by so slow, though. Like the yeah. days it might have to be it's... Monday talks now. We'll have so much to talk about on after, because uh, we'll be after waiting Monday for that Sunday football? night game. Yeah. Might have to be. Yeah. I have to change it to Monday football. Um, all right, man. That's going to do it. Peace out, everybody.